1: Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, April 26th. 2021 I am Dave Biddle I am very happy to be joined by Steve Hellwagon it is NFL draft week and that excites me very much we're gonna get to that in a moment let's start with some bad news for the Buckeyes yesterday Steve Deshaun McCullough decommitted from the Buckeyes and he committed to Indiana, and you hear that on the surface, people are like, "Wait, what? Oh, Ohio State lost a commitment to Indiana." Well, his father is now an assistant coach at Indiana, the associate head coach and running backs coach, Dylan McCullough, and his older brother, Dylan McCullough II, is going to transfer from Miami to Indiana, and his younger brother, uh, in the 2023 class, a corner has committed to Indiana. So. To me, man, I I don't fault this kid at all for wanting to, you know, play with his brothers and play for his father. It stings for the Buckeyes to lose a high four star prospect like McCullough. But what are you going to do, Steve?
0: Yeah, Dave, it was just kind of a perfect storm of events, I think, that led uh, Deshaun to decommit from Ohio State and go to Indiana. I had just seen him two weeks ago. He showed up uh, at the Under Armour camp. That was held at Fortress Obetz uh, on Columbus's south side. A lot of the top Midwest and Ohio prospects were there and Deshaun his foot was in a boot because he had a stress fracture so he didn't get to work out but he was still recognized as one of the top prospects in the Midwest and obviously the family moved from Kansas where his dad was working with the Chiefs uh, to Bloomington and he's already enrolled at a high school in Bloomington, Indiana And just very interesting hearing his comments. Uh, His younger brother had not yet committed uh, to Indiana at that time. And it's been a a spectacular turn of events. I mean, his dad gets hired there. We talked to Deshaun at the camp. His brother is working out at the camp, is recognized as one of the top underclassmen at the camp, commits to Indiana basically the next day or a day after the camp. During the camp, Deshaun McCullough maintains that while his dad's at Indiana, that he is Ohio State through and through, he's best friends with C.J. Hicks, uh, met Gabe Powers for the first time at the camp, and just seemed like he was Ohio State all the way. And like many of the athletes, uh, was burning for the chance to get on campus at Ohio State, because this entire year has been a moratorium on visits for the prospects and make those in-person contacts with Al Washington and Ryan Day and everybody else, and that he had had a great relationship with Al Washington, saw Ohio State as his conduit. Basically, the NFL talked and looked like a kid who could be in the NFL one day, you know, just has that kind of look and that size and that athleticism and everything else. And this is a funny note, Dave. Uh, Ohio State has lost a recruit to Indiana. This is the first time I can ever recall – uh, saying that and it just shows that indiana is ohio state's true rival right now in the big 10 east uh, ahead of <laughs> ahead of michigan michigan state I'm, I'm laughing as i say it and penn state they're the next best program in the east and this typifies it now of course i'm i'm making uh light of the situation but indiana did have a great year they got a great head coach and tom allen and uh you know, they're they're going to be, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say they're going to be in the top four forever, but I think that uh, they're going to be uh, a team to watch here the next several years. Literally, as we
1: are recording this show, ESPN is debating, why is Justin Fields falling in the draft? And I am perplexed about that. So why don't you and I pontificate on why, if, in fact, he is going to fall in uh, the draft, which begins Thursday. He will go Thursday in the first round. Rounds two and three are then Friday, and then rounds four – through seven or Saturday. So Justin Fields will go Thursday. The question is when I thought all along, he'd be the number two pick of the draft. Um, And then of course uh, the jets um, seems like they're dead set on taking Zach Wilson. Then the 49ers trade up to the number three pick. And I'm like, okay, that's where fields is going to go. And it sounds like, no, they're going to take Mac Jones. And I don't think it's a smoke screen at this point. I, I really think there's something going on here. And now there's talk fields could slip that he could be the fifth quarterback taken that Trey Lance could go ahead of him and fields could slip a little bit. Who knows how far, um, now who knows if that's actually going to happen, Steve, maybe he'll go, you know, uh, maybe he'll go fourth to the Falcons fields. Well, that will be great to his hometown Falcons or, you know, seventh to the lions, I think would be a good fit for him. But if he does slip a little bit, why do you think that is? We obviously it came out last week that he's dealt with epilepsy. Could that be it? Do you think there's anything to the talk that he wasn't a hard worker, that he doesn't go through his progressions, that he locks onto his first receiver? Cause I see a kid, man, that should be the number two pick of this draft. I don't know what I'm missing here. Why do you think he's falling, Steve?
0: Well, I think it's one of the great mysteries. And I think that uh, hopefully one day, well, obviously Thursday night, uh, all of the talk will finally subside and we will know where Justin Fields is going. There's been more debate about uh, where he's going to go in this draft than than anything. And, you know, it's kind of like Los Angeles Lakers talk and Justin Fields NFL draft talk is all that uh, the people on ESPN want to talk about. And it, it, you know, for the rest of us out here, you know, there's much more going on in the world than this. Uh, I don't get too uh, wrapped up in all of the discussion. I see a guy who was a winner during his time at Ohio state. I see a guy who was a technician. I see a guy who was a grinder and that's how he's been portrayed by uh, Ryan day and everybody at Ohio State, and Kevin Wilson as well. And I I just don't understand uh, where the hatred, and that's not the right word for it. But all the negative feeling about Justin Fields, I I don't know where it would have come from. Uh, There was one uh, friend of mine who surmised that some of this probably came from the Georgia staff, uh, still a little bit unhappy that fields left them kind of high and dry two years ago.
1: I said the same thing on the show last week, Steve, or maybe it was two weeks ago. Yeah. It's gotta be, it's gotta be coming from Georgia. It's not coming yeah. from Ohio state. And I don't think guys like Dan Orlovsky were making that up. Somebody was telling them that Somebody I bet he was telling, I bet them. it's coming from Georgia. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that obviously they worked with him for one year at Georgia and he was the backup to uh, Jake Fromm. And perhaps some of what they're saying was true because he was a young kid and maybe didn't understand the work ethic that it took uh, to be QB1 at that level. And I think that that is uh, obviously something he came to Ohio State with a burning hunger to take what Dwayne Haskins had done the year before and better it and take Ohio State to another level. And they did make the playoffs twice with Justin Fields. Uh, They didn't get upset by anybody during the regular season. And (laughs) I don't know what else you can say. I mean, he lost to Clemson the first year and lost to Alabama, who won it all the second year. And otherwise the guy was, uh, you know, as good as any quarterback Ohio State's ever had. So (laughs) I I don't know. He threw for a high percentage, didn't throw interceptions, and – I always was told that was something that that people valued was uh, those type of traits. But uh, you know, maybe I guess, I guess that's wrong. I don't, I don't know what people are looking for if they're not looking for what Justin Fields has to offer. I, that, that's the best way I can put it.
1: Yeah. If you know, Chris Spielman's now, you know, in the front office of the lions, he's not the GM, but he's like, you know, in the front office, I think he's like an assistant to the GM. That's not his actual title, but you know, Maybe it's because of Spielman and or Barry Sanders. You know, obviously I'm a Bengals fan. I've always kind of liked the Lions. You know, they're kind of a, you know, lovable loser. They're always on Thanksgiving. And I loved Barry Sanders and I loved Chris Spielman. Um obviously, you know, so if Fields falls to seventh to the Lions, I think that might be good, really, really good for him. Then he could learn for a year under Jared Goff and then and I hope he goes fourth to the Falcons. That'd be great for him but like That's what I well, like
0: because it's, it's his hometown yeah. and they can build everything around him yeah. and he can learn from Ryan for, for a year or two and then take over. You know I mean? That, that to me is a, you, you know, we saw with, with Haskins and Burrow, you get shoved into these situations and it doesn't always work that well uh, when you're surrounded by a subpar talent. And I hope he gets into a situation where he can learn and flourish on his terms and not be uh, thrust into bad situations early in his career. I agree. I think the Falcons would be great. I'm hoping for that. Cause at this point, it sounds like the 49ers are going to
1: take Mac Jones, which just blows my, it blows my mind. (laughs) It blows my mind, but it sounds like, I mean, every analyst is saying it. I I, I don't think there's no reason for them to, to smoke screen because They know who the first two picks are going to be and they can just sit there. They can tell the world who they're going to take and it wouldn't matter. Just like the Jags came out and said, basically, you know, Urban said we're taking Trevor Lawrence. Nobody's surprised about that. The Jets have done everything except for say we're definitely taking um, uh, Zach Wilson. So, man, it looks like it's going to be Mac Jones third. Now, here's the thing, though. All these analysts are also saying it sounds like Trey Lance. These teams, most teams prefer Trey Lance over Justin Fields. That's going to be very interesting. The draft really starts at four with the Falcons, what are they going to do? I hope they take Fields. For everything you said, it'd be perfect for him. Uh, I think it'd be a great pick for them. I- I'm hoping that the, the Dirty Birds take Justin Fields. We'll see what happens there. All right, let's get into um... – We'll close the show in a moment with Steve, with your expectations for the Buckeyes this fall. Before we get to that, we had a chance to talk to Kevin Wilson the other day on Friday, along with Kerry Combs and along with head coach Ryan Day. And I got a chance to ask him about center and left guard, that jokester Kevin Wilson, man. I asked him if you guys had a game today and everybody was healthy, who would be your starting center? and left guard he said well those would be the guys who would run out there first you know that 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 jokester kevin wilson um you know his his stand-up act it it rivals bill burrs i'm telling you but um steve who do you think is going to be the starting center and left guard you think it's going to be harry miller at center and matt jones at left guard vice versa could josh fryer work his way in there luke whipler getting a lot of first team reps at center just
0: if you had to guess who's going to be the starting center and left guard well, let me start this discussion, first of all, by saying they have eight guys who I believe are first-team uh, players. The guy, They have eight starters, in my opinion. And only five of them are going to be able to go out for the first play. But if something happened to one of those five that went out for the first play, I have no doubt that an elite player is going to jog onto that field as the sixth you know, lineman or the seventh lineman or the eighth lineman. They have got eight very good – uh, options and those include uh, obviously uh, Thayer Munford at left tackle Nicholas Petit Ferrer at right tackle and then I consider Dewan Jones as the backup at both spots we saw him rep at both left tackle and right tackle during the spring game and that tells me in the mind of Greg Sturawa that he is getting him ready to play either side of the ball either side of the line of scrimmage I should put it and He is the third tackle. Those three guys are locked, loaded, solid as can possibly be. That leaves five guys for the interior three spots. And, you know, I think Greg Studrowa was asked, I forget which reporter, it may have been Bill Landis or somebody asked him uh, two or three weeks ago in the middle of spring football, do you consider Harry Miller to be among your best five offensive linemen? Now, obviously, Harry Miller started last season, and Greg Studrawa didn't bat an eyelash and said, yes, I am assuming that when he is healthy in the fall, he will be among our best five offensive linemen. He started last year at guard, and that comment by Greg Studrawa kind of indicates that they figure he's going to start again, likely at guard. Him at center against Michigan State was an adventure. And he may be able to make the calls. He may be the smartest guy out there, but unless he can execute a perfect center snap, 99% of the time, you don't want him playing center. And that's not a knock on Harry Miller. He was thrust into the situation. I know he reps it every day and he has to, or at least he did in the fall because of that eventuality. It was a COVID situation and Josh Myers couldn't play, but I think Miller fits in better at guard. And then you have uh, Paris Johnson, who's an outstanding prospect, coming out of high school a couple of years ago. You know, is it his time to play at guard? Uh, obviously, uh, you then have Luke Whippler who repped at center quite a bit. Matthew Jones, who repped at guard and center quite a bit. And you mentioned uh, Josh Fryer. I'd put him probably at eight out of the eight. I would say he's the eighth guy on this list. Kind of a stopgap, I would say, at guard at this point. But still very good and made some great strides this spring and played his way into the top eight status on my list. Everybody else after that, Enoch Vamahi, Jacoby, whoever else, you know, I think other people are going to play in front of them if it came push to shove. But you're asking me how I would do it? All I know is when I watched CJ Stroud take a snap, it was typically Luke Whippler snapping him the ball. And if we are believing that C.J. Stroud is the number one quarterback, then in some regard we have to think that perhaps Luke Whipler is the number one center. But Matthew Jones is right there. And if Greg Studerawa decides his best five is, you know, the guys I mentioned with Matthew Jones at center, Harry Miller and Paris Johnson at guard, that's what they'll do. I don't have any qualm with that. So my long way around the bend is I don't care what the names are. The names aren't – I I didn't watch them for 15 practices. I watched bits and pieces of three or four practices in the spring game. And I can tell you, based on what I saw, I love the top eight. And I'm going to – you know, we're talking about quarterbacks. Whoever the quarterback is, they're going to be surrounded by ten, count them, ten elite athletes and football players at every other position, even running back, where people are like, oh, Master Teague. Master Teague, he can't be the starter. Well, if he is, he's – trust me, he's a good player. And and whoever the quarterback is is going to be surrounded by 10 elite athletes, and they will succeed because they are surrounded by 10 of the best offensive players in college football, in my opinion. So that is – I mean, you talk about the tight end. Jeremy Ruckert, one of the best in the sport. The two wide receivers, (laughs) Two of the best in the sport. I mean, this, this offensive line is going to be awesome, in my opinion. And regardless of who plays, I'm not getting wrapped up in the names. I don't care who starts. I just want to see an efficient. You
1: cut out a little bit there. I think you're saying you just want to see uh, an explosive and efficient offense, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen to everything you said, man. I am on record saying this. Offense will shatter Ohio state records talking about points per game yardage per game this off. And they would have last year, I think if they, you know, played a full season, but uh, you know, I think, I think this offense is going to shatter some records. We will see what happens, but, um, and I think this leads right into the next thing, assuming I didn't lose you here. Your expectations. Okay, good, good. So your expectations for this team overall, we were high on the offense, now mix the defense in. What are your expectations for the 2021 Buckeyes?
0: Well, that's a great question. I think they're going to be favored in every game that they play, obviously. Uh, you know, tough first two games. At Minnesota on the road, figure it's going to be close to a full Oregon, which should be one of the most glorious home games on September the 11th, you have the emotion of that, the 20-year anniversary of 9-11, Oregon coming to town, and uh, first home game with fans in nearly uh, 22 months uh that's going to be off the chain although the opponent's going to be pretty good so to me um i'm of a belief that if you start a freshman quarterback be prepared you may lose a game you're
1: cutting out on me again i think you said just be prepared if you start a freshman quarterback you might lose a game you still with me steve i can just wrap up the show from here uh, you got me
0: yeah, I'm sorry I, for whatever reason. I, let me get to the cut to the chase on this and we'll get it wrapped up. I just think you have to be prepared. There could be a loss in there somewhere that you don't foresee, but I still see this team winning the Big Ten and going to the playoff. That, that's just my opinion.
1: Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I, I think there could be a slip up along the way, but if there is, I still think they're going to be at worst a one-loss team that wins the Big Ten and goes to the playoff again and then puts themselves at least in a position to win the national championship i'm never a national championship or bust guy but i'm certainly a win the big 10 and get to the college football playoff or bust guy for this ohio state team this year Definitely. i'm sure ryan day and everybody over there yeah would say the exact same thing so great stuff from steve hellwagon i appreciate it steve thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning to this show we appreciate that very much hope all of you have a great day let's hear that buckeye swag best damn band in the land <laughs>